Hi there. Today, I'm going to give you some more news items. We know that you like these podcasts. So what happens is I take a couple of news items from the UK or around the world, things that you may have heard or read already in your own language. And I give you some really good practice at understanding the news. This means that you can learn lots of useful vocabulary in context. And if you want more practice, more English language listening, then don't forget you can go to our website at adeptenglish.com and buy one of our podcast bundles. This gives you 50 podcasts, 50 lots of English language learning practice, and you can have it with you on your phone wherever you go so that you can get your English practice in. That would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Hello, I'm Hilary and you're listening to Adept English. We will help you to speak English fluently. All you have to do is listen. So start listening now and find out how it works. Right, first news item. So climate change has been in the news again this week. That's partly because it's been the COP27 summit, the big meeting about climate change. So we heard more rhetoric, more dialogue, more promises. Will it lead to something? Not clear. Also what's been happening in the UK, we've had protests. An organisation called Just Stop Oil have been protesting. A protest, P-R-O-T-E-S-T, that is an action that a person or people might take to make their unhappy feelings known. So a protest is when you do something to let people know you are not happy. So that could include marching in the street or holding a banner, holding a message up to say what your problem is. So Just Stop Oil were protesting this week. As the name suggests, they're against the use of fossil fuels and they don't feel that governments are doing enough. Probably most people would agree with that, but the debate is more around whether the methods of protest, which Just Stop Oil and other organisations use, whether they're justified or not. So what have Just Stop Oil done in the past? Well, I read that their actions in the last few months included throwing soup at Vincent van Gogh's sunflowers in the National Gallery. I'm not sure how I feel about that one. But they also disrupted the British Grand Prix. I can understand that target a little more than a van Gogh painting, perhaps. Just Stop Oil protesters have apparently been arrested 677 times during the months of September and October. And five people remain in prison. Clearly, these people are committed to their cause. That's for sure. So this week, the protests were on the M25. The M25 is a notorious motorway. It encircles London. It's a complete circle of a motorway, a very big circle. Anyway, Just Stop Oil were climbing on gantries on the M25 this week. So a gantry is the bit over the top of the carriageway, over the top of the road. A gantry will hold 
speed signs or messages or speed cameras. And their action took place in seven different locations on the M25. So they stopped the traffic in seven different places on this circular motorway. They also did it at peak times, so when the traffic was at its worst. If you listen to our podcast regularly, you'll probably have heard me complain about the traffic on the motorways in the UK. It's crazy at the best of times. So this action on the M25 by Just Stop Oil meant that drivers were sitting in their cars for many hours. One man even missed his father's funeral as a result of this action by Just Stop Oil. Just Stop Oil say, this is an act of resistance against a criminal government and their genocidal death project. The other side, the Metropolitan Police said, more than 10,000 officer shifts had to be dedicated to policing these protests since the start of October. And this is taking police officers away from dealing with knife crime and burglaries. Burglaries means theft from people's homes. So there are clearly two sides to this story. Which one do you agree with? I imagine you've also heard that there have been some elections in the US. The US midterms, the midterm elections happened this week. So an election, E-L-E-C-T-I-O-N, that's when people go to vote. They go to the polls. People exercise their democracy or their democratic right. And midterm? Well, that means it's midway through President Joe Biden's term in office. Joe Biden became president of the United States in January 2021 after defeating Donald Trump at the polls. So in these midterm elections, it's not that voters get to vote Joe Biden in or out, but they get to vote on the makeup of the United States Parliament, if you like. So there is the US Senate, that's S-E-N-A-T-E, and there is also the House of Representatives, sometimes known as the House for short. Together, these two bodies are known as Congress, C-O-N-G-R-E-S-S. So the Senate first. Each state in America has two senators, two representatives in the Senate. And that's regardless of the size of the state or the number of people who live in that state, the population of the state. Senators serve for six years and the Senate has some say over how the president governs, over how the president rules. The Senate can vote to impeach or remove the president. The Senate can vote on the officials that the president appoints and they can also vote against treaties or agreements with other countries. So that's quite a lot of power. The House of Representatives, or the House, has many more members. There are 435 seats in the House and 100 in the Senate. So there are numerous House members for each state and how many House members or House representatives for each state depends on the population. So this is more what's known as proportional representation. So given that American politics is mainly two parties, 
the Republicans and the Democrats. Then the midterm elections determine who makes up the Senate and who makes up the House of Representatives. And the balance here can make a president's life easier or much more difficult, much more difficult to pass legislation. And this midterm election result is usually seen as a judgment on how a president is doing. So it's a verdict on Joe Biden's so far and also it gauges the mood of the country. And the results of these midterms, well, as I'm recording this podcast, the results aren't completely in, but most of them are. So it looks pretty even. In the Senate, the Democrats so far have 48 seats and the Republicans have 49 seats. So of the 100 seats, most of them are already in and it's pretty balanced. In the House, 435 seats here. Again, at the point of recording this podcast, 197 to the Democrats, 211 to the Republicans. So it's fairly normal midterm for the ruling party to be slightly less popular, I think. This is certainly what happens in the UK. So the overall result is clear. It's fairly balanced in the Senate and the House of Representatives is skewed towards the Republicans. Why are these midterms important? Well, it gives or it takes away some of the presidential power, as I've described. Joe Biden is a Democrat, so if the House is mainly Republican, that's going to make life more difficult for him. But the midterms are also important because it's opportunity to gauge opinion on critical issues. So in the US at the moment, abortion law is under review. That's A-B-O-R-T-I-O-N. And what's being debated is the right of women to end pregnancies if they choose to. There's also a lot of debate, as usual, around gun law and gun crime. That's G-U-N. And the right to bear arms. So the midterms give a pretty useful indication of mood, of feeling around these big issues. As I said, they're also a verdict on the current president. So it determines whether or not the party think that this president is going to be their candidate for the 2024 presidential election. I may be being slightly ageist here, but surely Joe Biden is a little old for that. But that's just my personal opinion. It also determines the levels of support for people like Donald Trump. Will he be the Republican Party candidate in 2024 or will it be someone else? Chance to gauge the mood here. Gosh, that's quite a lot of heavy news. What shall we do last of all? Well, I could talk about the news that the UK is going to go into recession in the next few months. Or I could talk about the fact that NHS nurses are going to go on strike. But let's go with something a little more heartening, shall we? For our final news item, a blind boy from Venezuela made the BBC News this week. Blind, B-L-I-N-D, means he cannot see. 12-year-old Sebastian Filaramo from Venezuela was in the news because of a project he started with his dad. Ahead of the Qatar World Cup, which starts on the 20th of November, he is busy translating all 600 stickers in the World Cup album 
into Braille. Braille, B-R-A-I-L-L-E, is the language used by blind people to read. You run your fingertips across the page and you can feel the different bumps and these make up the letters. So Sebastian is busy translating all 600 stickers in the World Cup album into Braille using his Braille typewriter. Sebastian explained to BBC News in a video how he and his father arrived at a method for doing this and about how he shared the instructions online so that other blind people can join in with the collection of the World Cup stickers. Sebastian also spoke about inclusion. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-O-N. How people with difficulties like blindness need to be included and often they feel left out. He hopes that the publicity around his World Cup sticker album will raise people's understanding and awareness. He hopes that it will make a difference. Let's hope so too. Anyway, that's a flavour of what's in the news at the moment. Not all of it, but some of it. Listen to this podcast a number of times so that you get to practice any new vocabulary in context so that it's easy to remember. And this vocabulary will be useful in the future in other contexts too. Enough for now. Have a lovely day. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Please help me tell others about this podcast by reviewing or rating it. And please share it on social media. You can find more listening lessons and a free English course at adeptenglish.com.